You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant to shot. LeBron James with no regard for human life. Jordan. Oh, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. And now, your hosts. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. On this edition of the show, we'll soon be bringing on the excellent Lang Whitaker for his fourth all-time appearance if we're counting our 100th episode special last September. And why shouldn't we count that? I'm Aaron Fishman, by the way. Our buddy Lang is always incredibly generous with his time, and more importantly for you listeners, there's rarely a dull moment with Mr. Whitaker. Lang's had an awfully busy last four months, which speaks to what we'll be discussing just ahead. After writing and talking about the NBA for the past two decades, 17 years of which were spent in New York City, Lang and his family moved to Memphis, where he'll be serving as general manager of Grizz Gaming, the Grizzlies squad in the upcoming NBA 2K League, an esports or video game league that will have 17 participating teams in its inaugural season. Lang also contributes content to Grand City Media and GQ Magazine. Some of the big questions our man will be answering here include what is esports, why is it exploding in popularity in the way that it has, as GM, how will he be evaluating talent as the NBA 2K draft approaches, and is Memphis feeling like home yet? Without further ado, let's let the GM himself help us navigate this brave new world of esports and the NBA 2K League. We finally have a GM on the show. Hey, Lang. <laughs> hey, man. Does that feel a little bit weird, yes. having that part of your title? It is a little bit weird being the GM of something. Um, I'm not the GM of an NBA team, but uh, it's close, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's pretty close. It depends on your interpretation. But you've been a huge fan of basketball for a long time. And so I think it's much deserved. Not a lot of people know about this league yet. More yep. people are learning. I certainly don't know that much. That's why I wanted to have you on. First, let's just start out with the basics. What is this NBA 2K League? Well, this is an esports league um, that's going to basically bring the, the best of the NBA 2K video game series and the best of that community and, and into competition against each other. That, that I guess that's probably the broadest and simplest way to explain it. If you've watched people play NBA 2K and watch people play five on five against each other, that's what this is. And, uh, you know, there's going to be 17 teams uh, this first year. 17 different NBA teams that are putting teams into this thing. Um, and the Memphis Grizzlies have Grizz Gaming. And I'm the GM of Grizz Gaming. So um, I, I, does that explain it? Is that basic enough? That, that's a good start, okay. yeah. That's, that's definitely a, a good um, broad intro into it. We'll delve more deeply into some of the specifics. Yeah. So you mentioned there are 17 NBA teams that are represented. And, and I read that there's going to be more next season this is just the inaugural year and six players now will be drafted per team is that right with one alternate yeah so basically we'll we'll draft six players to represent grizz gaming and you know that way you know it's basketball so you're going to play five on five but 
this gives us an, another person in case there's somebody gets sick or, you know, there's somebody has a um, family emergency or something like that. It gives you a little more wiggle room and, you know, it gives you the opportunity to be strategic with the players you use um, from week to week, I think. Okay. And so the six players you drafted, they live and train in Memphis during the season? Yep. We're going to, we're going to draft six players. They're going to move here and they'll train together all week. And, um, you know, it's, it's a team and it's about teamwork and competition and everything that sports is, it's just sort of the E version of it. Are the details still being figured out as to where the teams will be flying each week for their games? I think that it's going to be in one studio, if that's correct. Yeah. They haven't announced yet what, what it's going to be. I, and I, as far as I know, it hasn't been you know nailed down, but They'll announce that, uh, I'm sure, uh, soon, and then we'll be able to talk about it in more detail. But, yeah, it's going to be – we're going to travel each week to our games because we're going to play in um, in a studio somewhere. And, uh, you know, the games are going to be broadcast. So they have to be – the games have to be played in a place that has the capability of, of broadcasting these games. Any idea yet if each week – there's multiple games or if it's just that you play one team? I'm not sure. I, I think we'll play one team from week to week. Um, there may be multiple games against that one team. I'm not certain. Oh, uh, okay. But I'm not sure. That does make sense, though, that with 17 NBA teams, there'd be 16 opponents that you'd play everyone the same amount of times just for a balanced schedule. Yeah, they haven't told me schedule details yet i assume there's someone um, who gets paid more than i do who's working on that um <laughs> i uh that, that stuff hasn't filtered down to me yet i mean we just finished the the combine period yesterday so you know it, we're still uh working on i'm i'm so like here in memphis we're finishing up our our practice facility and working on that and where the players are going to live and all those details I have a lot more specific questions about the draft process and a lot more about how you're going to be evaluating talent. But just taking a step back for a second, esports has become huge Mm -hmm. in recent years. I'd like to know how huge it's already become with still so much room to grow. Yeah, I mean, just real quick, you know, sort of my background in this was, you know, I I co-hosted the Hangtime podcast for NBA.com last few years and and one of my co-hosts was rick fox Um, and i was kind of just sitting next to rick the last few years as he was putting together what became echo fox which is like now one of the big teams in esports so i watched him as he kind of learned about it and and figured out um, what he wanted echo fox to become and so i that was sort of my introduction to this thing but look i mean esports probably had around 400 million viewers in 2017. Um, they're projecting revenues of 1.5 billion by 2020. Um, so it, this is a huge thing. It's, it, it's, I think there's probably like a, a little bit of an educational curve here on this for depending on your age. Um, you know, younger people are way more into this. It seems like than a lot of the older <laughs> people are. Um, and so that's okay. You know, like when I had to, call my mom and tell her I was taking this job. I'm, I'm still not sure she fully understands what I'm doing. Um, but Did she asked if you're going to be playing video games for a living I, or something. I've been to playing that video effect. games my entire life. Yeah. And, and my mom, when I told her that, that down my job was going to be getting paid to do it. I mean, I, I've written video <laughs> game reviews in the past for like the New York times and GQ and places like that. So, you know, she understood that there's, there's a uh, actual work around this you can do. 
but the fact that there's a league and you're competing against people, but it's in a video game, that can be confusing to some people. And I, I think really the best way to understand it is to watch it, you know, to watch people play, to, to just go on Twitch and, and watch you know, twitch.tv if you don't know what that site is. But I, I, I you know, um, I think the best way to kind of understand esports and what it all is to go online and watch and watch people compete. And there's a winner and there's a loser, and it's like regular sports. Yeah, I'm in my late 20s and I feel like sometimes I'm an old man thinking, wow, people are getting paid a lot of money to just be really good at video games. And not only that, but a ton of people like to watch that go on and I'm getting more used to it now. It was a little bit surprising at first when I I first started learning about it. I'm glad you mentioned the Rick Fox connection. That was actually going to be my next question. I know he was a really early investor and a lot has been written about how important he is in growing esports and and just the smart bet that he made early on with it before it's really expanded like this. Was it a lot of it just early on you talking to him, asking questions, him sharing about what he's doing and was that kind of how it first got started gradually like that? With me, yeah. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. really I think it was Rick. Rick has a son who's um, in his 20s, um, early 20s, and his son was really into it. And that was kind of Rick's introduction to it, I think, and a way for Rick to connect with his son and, and kind of be in his world. Um, you know, we did a Hangtime Road Trip TV show a couple of years ago where we were in California, and we had a night off, and I went with Rick to a – to a studio that I think now is the Echo Fox practice facility. But at the time they were doing broadcasts from there. And, um, and when we walked in, there was a guy sitting there playing Mortal Kombat and talking into the air. And I was like, what is this guy doing? And I realized later he was streaming himself playing um, a video game and talking to people on Twitch and having a conversation with his fans and followers. And so really, for you know, that was, to me, that was sort of an eye-opening experience to see this guy sitting there talking in the air and realizing, oh, he's talking to tens of thousands of people, you know. So it was a uh, it was interesting from for me to kind of come at it from that standpoint and and to see really what this the future holds for this thing. I'm curious about some of the demographics uh-huh. you're seeing in terms of who's participating. I'm assuming it's a lot younger of a crowd. 18 to 20s probably yeah. i mean maybe a little bit older than that now one thing i'd seen was that the like the median age for an esports fan is about 20 years old okay i'm just curious what proportion do you think are women that are participating i know things are changing with that slowly yeah. i'm assuming the vast majority are men i don't know um to be honest you know i know that 72,000 people qualified to be in this next, this last round, this combine phase that we just had. Um, I haven't seen the the gender breakdowns of that. So I don't know. Um, I, but I do know that when we are talking about Grizz Gaming and stuff, like I'm not talking about it in terms of men or women or American or foreign or whatever. I, I just want the six best players I can find. And I don't care who they are. Yeah, I've noticed that in the language that you use. And I really appreciate that. It's inclusive. And I think... There are a lot of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, norms and things that take a long time to change and evolve. Um, And so I wouldn't be surprised if the vast majority of people who are competing, trying to get into the draft pool are male. But 
given that it's online and practice is the most important thing. Hand-eye coordination and practice are the most important things. I think that opens it wide up for people of all different backgrounds to compete. And so that's one thing I think is really exciting about esports. Yeah, I mean, specifically to this league, I also think like basketball IQ is going to be really important um, in understanding, yeah. you know, when to spread the floor, when to double team, when what kind of uh, how to switch on a pick, you know, when to throw a cross court skip pass or when to um, call for a, a pick and roll on one side. Or there's tons of that kind of stuff that I think is going to be important. And maybe you've got the best stick skills in the world, but you don't understand basketball that well. And to me, like, I, I think at least when I'm going to be looking at these players, I'm going to value basketball like you very highly. This seems like a really exciting opportunity for people who want to compete and are good at this. I read that each of the selected players is going to earn a competitive guaranteed salary that includes housing and benefits, right. also performance incentives throughout the season. Yeah. So they're going to be moving there. Are the facilities for practicing and training still being developed right now? Um, it's you might hear some banging from above me. They're, it's being constructed right now. It's it's we've. Um, I heard that when you first got on the call. Yeah, actually. we've been working on it for a while. Um, you know, we've had um, lots of ideas, and we're kind of. It'll be fun to unveil what it is going to be, um, but it, it should be very uh, cool and unique and specific to Memphis. But it, it should be really cool when it when people see what it is. But it's 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 the construction's underway. I was up there this morning, and uh, there's dust and stuff all over the place. <laughs> Describe the setup that you're envisioning, if you can, for me. If you know, are there going to be a ton of screens and just places where people can can sit down and and train? Yeah, um, I don't want to be too specific because it, a it might mm-hmm. change some between now and then, and b. Yeah. Um, we haven't actually built it out yet, but I want it to be, I, I want it to be cool. <laughs> I'm sorry to, to use like a, a very plain word, but I think it should be cool and have a, leave an impact on people. Um, you know, and I want it, but like at the end of the day, we, it, it needs to be functional for our five, six players, I guess five at a time, but for Grizz gaming, we, we want our team to be able to go up there and, and practice and become better as a team. So, you know, that's really important also is that we have it um, set up that it's, uh, it's functional and memorable. I think that should be the title of the episode. Lang Whitaker wants Grizz Gaming's practice facilities to be cool. (laughs) Sounds good to me. So um, is there a particular connection to the Memphis Grizzlies other than you work for them? The team is based out of Memphis. I mean, the team will not be, playing literally as the Grizzlies right. or will they? No, no, because the the players will be playing as as an avatar in the game. Um, they'll be playing as themselves in the game because it's if they use actual players, then it's sort of unfair. It's like, you know, who gets to be the best player, who gets to be a player with a lower rating. Um, so th- when we in the 2K League, they'll play, everyone will have the same rating. And then it really becomes a lot more about strategy and um, what they call stick skills, like your ability to to play the game. So the avatars that they're creating, they may they may not even be themselves. It's just they create. I don't even know. Is, is know it a name and certain I skills? I mean, a lot of you know, if you look online, a lot of people have 
um, like a nickname or, you know, that kind of thing. Or they'll play with some of the characters they create in the game, have like a, a beard that comes down to their <laughs> knees or whatever. Um, I don't know if they're going to, I don't know the answer to that in the 2K league. But it's basically like you're creating a player. I've done that before right. in video games where you decide how they look yeah. and their style, what they're good at, strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, there's and yeah, archetypes is what they, it's called in 2K. And there's, okay. you know, there's going to be, uh, I think, 25 archetypes available within the, the 2K league um, structure that players can use. So as we're winding down, the two main things I wanted to touch on mm-hmm. before we move on it are how people got involved. So I know there are multiple steps. I believe the first was reaching 50 wins yeah. in the 2K Pro-Am mode before January 31st, last yeah. I saw. Was the second one the wins in Combine mode, 40 more wins? It wasn't from wins. It was just 40 games. Oh, uh, oh games. Yeah, okay. so they, they had, the, last, the second step was the Combine mode, which just ended yesterday, and there were specific windows that were um, available for people to come play. And uh, in those windows, you had to log 40 games, um, not necessarily wins. So, um, And then your stats in that combine mode were all logged, and that was the, the second step, um, I guess you could say, in, in this tryout mode thing. Is that the last step before the pool is created of 102 players? I believe so. Do you have also the stats available to you from the first step with the wins in pro-am mode? Uh, is that available? To, unless they screenshot it? Yeah, I'm not sure how that works. I mean, I, I know at some point I'm going to start scouting, but at this point like, I don't know which of the players are the ones who are going to be the 102. So. Okay. Stuff is early and changing a lot. Yep. So I know I'm asking you a lot of things that, have not been determined yet, but this is still definitely helpful. And about evaluating talent, you said, I think it was on Twitter, or it might have been in one of the many Q&As you've been doing, mm-hmm. that you're taking more of a wait-and-see approach until that draft pool is determined because there could just be not an infinite number of players, but so many people who are trying to get into the pool. Yeah. And I can understand how that wouldn't be the most efficient use of your time just scouting into the abyss, yeah. basically. <laughs> but how do you think you're going to plan on deciding whom you like? I know there's all these stats you can look at and you can watch streams. Right. You probably want to balance out the archetypes so you have a balanced team, so you don't have all same types of players. But just talk a little bit about that for me. if You, you want me to give away all my secrets here, Aaron? Is that what this is? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know thousand percent like what kind of team we're going to put together i don't know what kind of players are going to be available to me you know and it also look it's going to depend on what draft position we end up with and who gets picked ahead of me and who gets picked after me and all that stuff so so i I, you know like i kind of look at this a little bit like as as a journalist when you're interviewing somebody like the worst thing you can do to me is to like go into it with an agenda and say i want to get this person to talk about this and I'm going to write about this to me, it's always better to go into it and say, well, let's, let me just talk to this person, see what they have to say, see what their story is. And then I'll take it from there and shape it around. However, this interview turns out, I kind of feel the same way with this. It's like, I don't know what players are going to be available. And I don't know, you know, even if I go into the saying, I want to draft uh, the kind of personnel that 
can play, you know, five out or, or play, you know, all small ball or play like the Warriors death lineup or whatever. I, I, I want to be able to go into it and say, like, I'm going to get the best players that are available and figure out a system that, um, that we can use that can like maximize yeah. our talent. That's fair. I don't want to put you in a box. I know you said we will grit and we will grind. Yeah. And I don't know if that's more about brand continuity or <laughs> that's, that's really going to inform how you draft, but does that have to do with the expected style of play for your team or you really don't know until you draft that team and, and meet the people and train with no, them? No, I feel like that is, that, that's fair to say. I mean, I, I don't know what type of people we're going to have on our team, what type of players we're going to have, but whoever we have, I want us to grit grind. Um, you know, that's one thing um, <laughs> that I think, you know, we've seen from the, from the actual Grizzlies is that having that ability to, to grit and grind has is, is kind of been what sustained them for so long. And why can't that carry over to, to our 2K team? Yeah. So I know you'll be working closely with these players that you draft. You'll be seeing them on a daily basis. So do you get to interview them, get to know them as people before you make decisions? Or is it strictly the stats and the game tape and you don't really have much bio information about them as far as the city, where they're from, or what their regular day job is, or if they're a student, or things like that? No, I, I think there'll be plenty of background information available. Let me put it that way. <laughs> before you make the decisions. Yeah. That's good. It makes sense. You, you want to get to know people before you invest in them and right. work so closely with them. So, um, oh, I was going to ask you personally... Have you played the game a lot over the years, 2K? Yeah, yeah. I've played it, I mean, probably since 2K, <laughs> the, first, the year 2000 when it first came out. I mean, I remember when NBA Live was, you know, for a few years, NBA Live was the bigger game, and then 2K really eclipsed it and became sort of the industry leader in that. And and if you go back, like, I've reviewed the game for years. Um, I wrote a review of, of 2K this year for GQ, I mean, back in October or September. Mm-hmm. I've I've played this game a lot through the years. Yeah, I used to play NBA Live a lot on uh-huh. the computer, just old school. And then, um, yeah, 2K, as you said, became the industry leader. I know you're busy trying to build a team here. Have you been not playing as much as you'd like lately? No, I've been playing. Um, That's good. I mean, one, of the, one of the good things about this job is I can sort of make a case for the reason I should be playing the game at my desk. For research, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's part of the game. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, but I, I also like I, I've been playing it a lot, but I've also been playing other games too. Like I played a lot of Assassin's Creed lately. Um, I'm mm. pretty excited for MLB The Show to come out this spring. That's always one of my favorite games. Um, yeah, I like I, that game. I'm, I'm a gamer. Full stop. I like all a lot of different games. I know you're humble for the most part, but how would you rate your ability to play? <laughs> And how do you think it would measure up to these people who are so darn good at this? Um, I will be, um, I will be great at it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, like I, I, this whole thing is is new for me. You know, like we have a team we're launching, and we don't even have players right now. So I don't know how it's all going to work out. I feel like it's something that I'm well suited for. I've sort of been video game adjacent for a long time. And to now be able to do this and to be able to do it here with the Grizzlies has been awesome. Like working with the the staff here and the the people here has been great. 
and uh, I'm I'm really excited about it. And I feel like, look, I know that esports is is clearly real, and it's going to be it's going to continue to to grow. And um, you know, to be able to do this, I I feel like it's it's really cool, and I'm excited about it. I know it's not the most relevant to what we're talking about in your role, but I was asking you to assess your your personal ability to play the game, how good oh, you are at I'm the sorry. game. Personally, yeah. um, I feel like I'm uh, similar to when I actually play basketball. Like I'm more cerebral than I am good at the <laughs> stick skills. Um, like I'm okay at the game. I can play. I can. Uh, I'm good enough to beat. Um, probably like you know when we we actually on that last road trip show we did we went to the 2k studios outside of san francisco and we played it and like i'm good enough to beat rick and people like that who don't play all the time i feel like the things i'm really good at are like knowing where to to run on a fast break and how to throw the pass and not hold the ball and not get points deducted you know from my grade from that kind of stuff like my basketball like here is is really good i'm not the best stick skill person in the world but I don't have to be. That's that's what I'm mm-hmm. going to draft the people who who have the best stick skills. So it sounds like you're uniquely suited then to be a GM in this league, and to a certain extent, you're also kind of going to be a coach, right? Yeah. Even though you want to find leaders too, who who will lead as players. Yeah, we need player coaches too. But yes, I, to a certain extent, I'll be having a coaching role in this whole thing. So, um, and that to me is fun and exciting. I, I, I like being able to do that. And I think that's something I'm, I'm also well suited for. Stay tuned for more Lang Whitaker after the break. I promise. This is Sekou Smith of NBA TV, NBA.com and the hang time podcast. You're doing the right thing. If you're listening to on the NBA beat. So just to put a bow on this, there's kind of a rough timeline for things. I don't know how many of these are exactly set. So I'm just going to list these out quickly. Correct me if anything is wrong. The draft, mid-March to late March is what I've heard. Players move to their respective cities, Memphis in this case, in April. And then the regular season starts in May, goes through August, and then playoffs are after that. Yeah, that's what I've heard also. Okay, cool. So we're really getting into this. Yep. It seems like maybe not even a month away from the draft. So yeah, <laughs> you're going to have your work cut out for you. Well, we just finished, like the, the combine stuff just finished yesterday. So now it's time to, to start figuring out, um, you know, looking at the, the draft prospects and figuring out how that's going to all play out. Um, that's cool. When I finish with you, I'm going to go up and check on the construction work and see how all that's going. <laughs> well, I really appreciate your time on this. It seems like a great time to talk about this. Just quickly before we end, yep. how are you enjoying Memphis? I know you're in New York City and Atlanta for a number of years before this. Um, I love it here. Um, I was in Memphis the last three or four years during the playoffs covering games for NBA.com, and I always enjoyed coming here. The whole downtown area is sort of on the upswing and was being um, – there was a lot of renewal going on downtown and like older buildings turned into condos and lofts and that kind of thing. The food here is incredible. I mean, as a, as a foodie and person who writes about food a lot for GQ, like the Ron Davy ribs, um, I could eat that every meal. I shouldn't eat that every meal. But yeah. I, I was going to say you shouldn't probably, but, um, you know, so yeah. th- I like that here. And, you know, I, I grew up in Atlanta and, uh, you know, being from the South, my wife and I talked about moving back South at some point. And then when this opportunity came up, 
being in Memphis, being back in the South, um, after being in New York 17 years, it was awesome, but I was ready to do something else and um, to be able to come here and have a house and all that stuff and a yard and all that. It's, it's great. And, um, and we, we, we love it here. Wow. I had forgotten that you were in New York City for 17 years. Yeah, long time. A long time. Yeah. And you told me before we started recording that you covered 15 of the last 17 All-Star games. Yeah. 12 in a row. This is So this is your first in 13 years yeah. that you weren't a part of. I know you watched it, but what was that like? It's such a change. I'm first sure. of all, first of all, that was a real veteran move, Aaron, from your on your part there. But to be, be like the, uh, you told me before we started recording, like that's that's a that's a um, that's like you hear like uh, Jimmy Fallon do that. You know, I was talking to you backstage. And you to, that was good. Um, Thank you. <laughs> it was fun to watch the game. You know, I um, I miss seeing people, and I got a lot of texts from people who were out there, and you know, that's uh, for what I was doing for the last decade two decades um you know all-star weekend was your chance to kind of run into people that you don't get to see face to face all the time um and you know like a lot of journalists and especially basketball writers and stuff you're traveling around and you might bump into people on the road here and there but that was sort of like the convention everyone's in one place for a couple of days and you get to catch up to people and have meals with people that you don't get to spend time with other than on twitter um so yeah i, I miss seeing a lot of my friends and a lot of those type of people but uh you know, I got to go to the beach and hang out and go deep sea fishing, and that was uh, that was fine. Yeah, it sounds like a good break, and you're still obviously very much connected to the basketball community. Yeah. So involved here in this aspect. One random thing I just wanted to mention. I know you have to go. I'm just I'm such a basketball purist. I don't yeah. like when I'm watching these games. I know they're exhibition games, like the Rising Stars game, for instance. I think it was Dylan Brooks. He airballed a shot caught it then went up for a basket there was no whistle wasn't traveling or passing it to yourself it just went on and no one noticed or anything and and just when they clear out for the dunks i know they don't play defense but i like them to at least pretend that they're playing defense now you're being the fun police you know, that's, I, I that's think I just ruined about. it. It was a fun podcast, and <laughs> I think I just ruined place. it. These are the same people who didn't want Lou Williams in the All Star game. No, I'm not one of those yeah, people. No, I wanted no, them. That's man. what this is. This is the fun place. No fun allowed, right? No, man. I, I think we should <laughs> end on that note before it gets any less <laughs> this fun. Is this is supposed to be fun. It's uh, here's the other thing. Just in general, to me, All Star Weekend. It's it's not the All Pro game. It's not the All NBA team. It's All Star game. It should be stars. It should be fun. This should be people going out and having a good time. And to me, um, that's what the weekend kind of should celebrate. And I feel like uh, that's what the, the rising stars game does and the dunk contest and three point. And, and it, I can't stop thinking about that last play of the actual all-star game. Like when's the last time you thought about it from a basketball perspective? Like, you know, you Steph Curry has the ball. He needs a three pointer. He can't even get a shot off. Incredible. That was amazing. I, I'll agree with you there. There was a lot more defense that was played the format was so much better. Yeah. What I was saying is just that when defense is played, or at least when they pretend to play defense, it makes the offense rise its level of play. Yeah. And I think it brings out the best in the All-Stars if there is some pushback defensively. But yeah, I totally agree with you. It was yeah. exciting to watch. It was fun. 
Yeah, I'll let you go. I really appreciate your time. Thanks again, Lang. It was great talking to you about this. It's always good talking to you too, Aaron. And um, I appreciate you having me on. Hope you'll be. Uh, hope you'll support Grizz Gaming. I'm gonna be watching.